I was extended this uh, incredible opportunity to to teach on this subject, the subject of giving, on February the 16th. I was awakened on February the 17th with this word, the unintended secret. The unintended secret. And quite frankly, I'm uh, very excited to, to share this with you. Here we are facing a groundbreaking, and I don't know. How many of you have never been in a church when you're going into a major building program? Like, I'm even talking to the young people, because I'm sure a lot of the young people have not. Would you raise your hand and raise your hand high? Okay, several, several. How many of you are like me and you've been in multiple? Um, this particular time in the life of a church is, is very exciting. And so here we are and we're going into this and it's like gas is, I mean, it's over $4 a gallon. Has anybody noticed that except me? Have, have we all noticed that? I got up early, or, well, I had paid three ninety nine for it the other day and I've never paid three ninety nine in my life. That I remember, never. And uh, so I got up and picked up Brother Morgan and take him to the airport. And it was early, early, early Monday morning, like way early. And it was three ninety nine. And that evening when I was coming home, it was four twenty five. I was thinking, this is not a good day. It, it, if this if this continues, this is just not a good day. Now this morning it was four twenty five, and I noticed this evening. It was 425. So can we thank God that at least we've had one day and it's, we, we will thank God for anything that we can thank God for. So here we are heading into to groundbreaking and this is what we've got. But God knows everything. So we have the economy of man, right? And then we have the economy of God. Is there anyone that believes more in the economy of God than the economy of man? Amen. The Word of God is, is filled with treasured values and commands that are designed for our good. These values of the Word of God and the commands of the Word of God, they are all intended for our good. Unfortunately, many of them are being treated like secrets, like secrets. Um, there are people that are not positioning themselves to get into the treasures of God's Word. And then there are others who know them, but we don't share them like we should. And that's the basis of this unintended secret that I'm talking to you about tonight. When we consider kingdom values, kingdom values, these are values, principles of the kingdom. When we consider this, we need to understand that we need to seek after kingdom values like a minor will mine for gold or, or precious metals, stones. 
this is the attitude that we need to have when we're talking about the kingdom and kingdom values. God clearly intends for his life-giving instructions to be known by us and shared by us. Known by us and shared by us for the good of everyone. Because you can believe kingdom values will add value to our lives. They are very, very valuable. I say this a lot. I repeat it again tonight. That if we really understood the commandments of God, the values of the kingdom, we would get very, very serious about them. As a matter of fact, I believe that if we truly understood, we would not refer to them as the Ten Commandments. We would refer to them as the Ten Love Letters. That's really what they are. You could take every one of what we refer to as the Ten Commandments and you could put those directives in, in your life and I promise you every one of them will bless you in a major way. Every directive from God, every kingdom directive carries a life blessing. But here is the challenge of this. It's our obedience to them that positions us to be blessed by them. It's our obedience to the values. It's, it's our obedience to the principles. You guys know good and well that life goes better for you when you obey at home. It just goes better. I mean, unless your parents are brain dead. It goes, it goes better for you if you obey. Uh, that's just the way, that's just the way life is. Well, when we go into the Word of God and we look at the values, we look at the directives, we, we look at these kingdom values, when we obey them, when we put ourselves in position by obedience, then we're putting ourselves in position of blessing. That's just the way it works. But unfortunately for many people, there are many unintended kingdom secrets. I'm saying unintended because you can believe that the king does not intend for his secrets of the word of God to be secret to us. That's not the intention. I will give you four of those and we will not exhaust them at all. But, but these four just lay a good, a good landscape of uh, what I'm speaking of tonight. You have the king, the kingdom, kingdom entry, and kingdom life. You have the king, the kingdom, kingdom entry, and kingdom life. When we look at this, we know that, of course, the king is King Jesus, and we've talked much um, through the weeks and months about no human in the king zone. He's the king. When we look at the kingdom, we're talking about the king's domain, and it's not to be confused with any other type of government, including our democratic republic that, that we live in. Then we have kingdom entry, and that is being born of water and spirit. Well, then we move into kingdom life, and that's speaking of our present everyday life. Of course, that is if we have been born again. 
When we've been born again, we can enter into the kingdom. And so we know that that's justification. Our everyday life right now is sanctification heading toward glorification. Well, in this sanctification business, I love the term that Pastor Jerry Dean uses a lot, and he refers to it as the redemptive lift. Once we've been redeemed, once we've been justified, once we've been born again, then we move into this life of sanctification where we seek to live life the king's way by kingdom laws, by kingdom values, and as we do that, our life lifts. I've seen this happen in, in so many people's lives because as we start living by kingdom values, we think different. Uh, when we really, when, when we really take, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rabbit trail here a second. But when we really take spirit, soul, and body and we start doing that the king's way, our life changes. It absolutely changes. I mean, if, if you want to get into body, uh, spirit, soul, and body, not body, soul, and spirit, spirit, soul, and body, if you want to get into that, you want to get into soul, you want to get into your mind, uh, bringing in your emotions and everything, we start trying to match our emotions to the king, our life changes. It changes. If, if we would seek to get upset about what upset him, if, if we would seek to weep over what, what he would weep over, aligning our life to the king absolutely changes everything. So simply put, as we live a kingdom life according to kingdom values, our lives are lifted, and so we understand this kingdom lift. But now in the area of kingdom life, there's a vital unintended secret. It's very necessary uh, to gain this, this greater understanding of this, especially in the area of what we're speaking of tonight, and that is giving. Giving. So here we go. Consider the words of Apostle Paul in Acts 20. Acts 20, 33 through 35. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered to my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, and here it is. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than receive. So when we move into this, we need to get something straight. Giving is speaking of more than money. This is more than money. Jesus lived to give. He lived to give. He gave love and mercy and pardon and a new start and value and, and healing and nourishment. You could go on and on. King Jesus lived to give. The blessed life is a giving life. You will not live a blessed life if you're not a giver. 
Luke 6, 38 says, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. Now, any of you Bible scholars that are thinking, that's not talking about money. That's talking about judging and forgiveness. And to that I say, you're right. That is the context. But many times there is a principle that runs through the Word of God, and it, it even connects with other context. Giving is a concept that literally, and a value, it's like one person said, you can pull a string in Genesis and it'll ravel all the way through Revelation. Giving is, is one of these. So at our core, we are either a giver or a taker. At our core, that's, that's what we are. Now, the good news is, is if we're a giver, great, keep it up. If you're a taker, the good news is, is you can change. You do not have to continue to live your life on the bottom level being a, a taker. D.G. Hargrove pastors in Dallas, Texas, and, and in 1997, he diligently sought God for the keys to build that church. And God gave him a vision of nine keys. And the first key was be a giver. And so he spoke, and I've mentioned this a couple of times. I've, I've mentioned a few things that I'm going to repeat uh, tonight a couple of times, but I don't know that the young people have ever heard some of this, and some of it is new for even the older ones, and it's a refresher for everybody. But he spoke about living with an open hand. He said he decided that he was going to make a commitment to trust God with whatever came into his hand and that he was going to live with an open hand, meaning that resources and relationships, he would have an open hand. If money came to him, then, then he would look for ways to use it in a kingdom manner. I wish the man would, would just write a book on what all he has seen. Maybe someday he will. It's astounding what all happened in his life and continues to happen when he decided to do this. He said, I decided that I was always going to look for ways to help somebody else, to value someone else, and to encourage someone else. And it absolutely revolutionized his, his life, his family, and his church. Now, we could all tell stories. I have seen the, the power of giving in my life and in the lives of people close to me. Now, when we're talking about giving, I know there's love and there's mercy and there's understanding and, and a fresh start and all of these things, but we're four days away from our groundbreaking service. We're four days away from coming in here, giving a sacrificial offering on Sunday, and then making a commitment. So I just want to narrow our focus tonight about, about the giving of finances. Now, sadly, if you want to make people uncomfortable, start talking about money. Start talking about their money. Start talking about them giving of their money. But I'm hoping that this unintended secret, because the king does not intend for this concept to be a secret, does not intend. 
And I'm hoping that as we share about this tonight, that we will move from apprehension to anticipation. From apprehension to anticipation. Bishop Morgan has said many times that great sacrifice precedes great breakthrough. So some of what I will share, you have heard uh, uh, some of these stories and some of them bears repeating. And so here we go. And I absolutely love sharing these stories. So here, here we are, four days, right? Everybody say four days. Say from, from apprehension to what? Anticipation. Here we go. I was blessed, and again, I'm so glad the young people in here are in here. I, I was blessed beyond measure to be raised by parents who were adamant about me and my three brothers being givers instead of takers. As a matter of fact, it was dangerous in our house to be a taker. You needed to be a giver. Um, if you were not a giver, you needed to act like one. Your rear end would feel so much better if, even if in your heart you were not a giver, you had to at least act like one. It was kind of like be a giver in self-defense in, in the shock house. And Jack and Patty Shock example giving in different ways. They were givers. They gave money. And, and we, we never had a lot of money. Uh, I didn't really realize that growing up. We had so much fun at home. Uh, I didn't realize until I got a little bit older and, you know, started realizing that, you know, some of my friends had a whole lot more than, than we had. But, uh, you know, if I could go back and rewind and could choose, believe me, I would choose to be raised in my house. And so my, my parents shared whatever they had with whoever was in need. Uh, we ate a lot of bologna sandwiches, especially when people came over, a lot of beans and cornbread. That was, but we had a lot of fun. I, I remember in our house, it was like people were always there. And it, and it wasn't about how nice your house was or how big the meal was or any of that. That wasn't the issue. That was like, okay, we can eat. We, we can have a good time eating, but it was the connection, the fellowship. Uh, it was just absolutely a blast. I was preaching last year in Tennessee, and uh, there was a family there that we've been connected to for years and years. And the, um, the mother came up to me, and, and she started talking to me about my dad had won them. He was, he was out looking for people to come to church and trying to find a Bible study and and he goes to this business where these, this little family is living in their business because they don't, uh, they're on hard times. And, and man, they bring him to the house. She, she was telling me, she said, uh, they, they brought us in and changed the sheets on their bed, moved out of their bedroom, gave us their bedroom. And, and it just started a long relationship. He, he later on, uh, founded two churches in Canada. And it's just absolutely amazing what, what kind of a giver. Northside United Pentecostal Church in Fort Smith, Arkansas, it had a core group of families in it, and they were all givers. And thank God that, that mom and dad were, were about that. It wasn't, it wasn't just food. It was 
good, solid Bible advice, teaching Bible studies, leading the youth. My dad and mom led the youth ministry. It was love, care, concern, providing church transportation. We never knew who we were going to go pick up. Cleaning the church. I was the church janitor by age 15. I was. Uh, and, and a good one. I was, I was absolutely a good one because I had a lot of practice. I was riding the buffer when I was five. And uh, I was just kind of raised like this. And, and here's what happened at our house. Tithing envelopes were handed out at our house. It wasn't just at church, get them in the foyer, which it's great that we have them, but they were handed out at our house. And I even have a little yellow tithing envelope that I filled out whenever I was six years old for a nickel. And I have a stewardship report with my name on it. It's dated in 1962. I would have only been two years old. And the, the yearly, my yearly giving that year was $2. Uh, obviously, somebody had given me $20 as a two-year-old or something, and my parents actually paid tithes on that, on that $20. And so it all started with tithing. Tithing is, is where it starts. And I, I really pity people who, who do not have the revelation of the power of tithing. I, I really do. It's it's sad. Well, then, whenever I was 12, I started mowing yards. And then whenever I was 14, I started cooking at Burger Inn. I was the cook at Burger Inn at 14. And then I graduated later on that year to Western Sizzlin. And I started cooking at 14 at Western Sizzlin. So now I'm making the big bucks that a cook made in 1974. I mean, massive, massive bucks. So now my tithing has gone up. You know, man, I'm probably paying, you know, four, four or five dollars a week now. Tithes. It's, I mean, it's, it's serious. So I asked my dad one day. I said, "What does Brother Lumpkin was our pastor?" I said, "What does Brother Lumpkin do with all this money?" You know, I mean, man, I'm up to paying four or five dollars a week tithes now. This is, this is getting serious. I'm a long way away from that nickel. And uh, i never forget, my dad said, he said, it doesn't matter if he buys bathtubs full of bubble gum. That was just the way I was raised. I know, some, I know some people have a whole lot of other explanations. That's the way I was raised. He said, God will bless us and deal with him if he doesn't spend it right. And so that, that, was, that, was, just how, that was how we were raised. And just for the record, I don't see any bathtubs full of bubble gum around here. And in 1976, my dad made a $500 missions pledge. Now, folks, listen, there was no $500 in our house to make a missions pledge. And then he received a $700 check in the mail. So he paid the $500 pledge, used the $200, you know, for whatever we needed. And then came the news that the check was sent by mistake. What had happened is my dad had had a surgery. He was a, a dialysis patient. And so, am I saying it right, fistula? Is that, will somebody help me with that? Is that right? So, so he had a fistula, you know, for them to connect him to the, to the machine. And he had to have a surgery. He had to have his spleen taken out to position him to be able to get a transplant someday. And they were taking him out of surgery. And a nurse was not paying attention and when they went to move him out of surgery onto his bed, she grabbed that arm 
and shut that down. And they had to rush him back into surgery now, just rolling out of one surgery back into another, and they were losing him. And these doctors came running in. They had been they were playing tennis. And uh, and they came running in. I'll never forget in their tennis clothes and scrubbing up real fast to get in there. And literally, Dad had an out of body experience, and and they lost him. And and then you know God brought him back. And all. so that seven hundred dollars was supposed to have gone to those two doctors. And he 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 gave it to missions. And uh, so he went and he explained to the doctors who had literally, on the physical side, saved his life. Man, I, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll pay it back. But I thought that that money was ours, and I gave it to missions. And both of the doctors said, great, Jack, that's, that's where it needed to go. And, uh, and so just, we're just happy that we, we could be a part of your offering. And they, and they wrote that off. I was at our Christmas for Christ concert in 1984. And, uh, well, it would have, I guess it would have been, it would have been, yes, it was 84. And so I'm, I've just come through, you know, we're in the Christmas season. We're giving our Christmas for Christ offering. I'm on the front row, 24 years old. I am, I am, uh, engaged. And somebody had given me $500 for Christmas, and I had that check in my pocket. And then I had a $200 check. It's either $100 or $200. I can't remember. I think it was a $200 check in my pocket. I was saving the $500 for my wedding rehearsal because I was getting married in May. And so we're in that service, and the Spirit of the Lord says, give that check. Give that check. So I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, okay. And so I pull out my billfold, took out the $200 check, and started to sign it. And the Spirit said, wrong check. Well, now, I mean, you have to understand, Brother Lumpkin loaned me his vehicle to, for me to be able to go down and take Melanie out for the first time. I was driving the church maintenance truck like that didn't even have an air conditioner. And, you know, so it's like, man, that $500, that was a lot. And so I gave that, and, and can you imagine what the senior Lumpkins gave me as a wedding gift? My rehearsal dinner. That was, that was what the senior Lumpkins gave me for my, for my wedding present. Many years ago, at because of the times, Brian Shock, my brother, who is a pastor. Now, I've told this story before, but I told it wrong because something was bugging me about this story. So I called my brother the other day. I said, give this to me again. Well, we're, I, I got this part right. We're in because of the times. We're taking missions pledges, and, and, and they say, Brian Shock, $5,000. Well, I'm trying to write down everything, and I'm thinking, hmm, is there another Brian Shock? Because I knew, I thought he had started, that was when he started his church in Conway. That was not. That was after he went full-time in ministry and, and, and gave up $50,000 a year with four children. 
So he gives up $50,000. It goes down $50,000 a year with four children, and we're at because of the times, and he's pledging $5,000. Well, we're walking out to go eat lunch, and I said, Brian, was that you that pledged $5,000? And he said, he said, yeah. I said, or is there another Brian I don't know about? He said, he said, no, it was me. And I said, do you have $5,000? He went, no. Just like, no. And I looked at him and I said, Brian, our, our dad will never truly be dead as long as you're alive. So we, we go eat and we, you know, we go on. And then the next evening, I'm back in my office doing work before because the time starts. Brian walks in my office and throws a check on my desk. And it, it, I said, what's this? He says, $5,000. And I said, for real? And he said, yeah. So I'm opening it up, and I, I see the, the, the church name and the pastor's name. He said, when God told me to pledge $5,000, he told that other pastor to pay it. So he, he pays it. Well, as it would be a couple of months later, I'm preaching for that pastor. And I, and I told him, I said, man, that's a wild story, what, what you did at, because of the time for Brian. He said, oh, that's not the end of the story. He said, God told me to pay that. I paid it. He said, I got home, and a businessman in our church walked in and laid papers down on my desk. And he said, Pastor, that, that represents stock. He said, give me 30 days, and I will turn that into cash for the church. He said, and 30 days later, he brought in $50,000 to the church. I'm not, hey, I'm, listen, I'm not trying to get into your emotions. It's just like we're, we're, we're either, we're either going to move in to what the Spirit is saying, or we're not. And I just believe that there is a whole group of us that we are. We, uh, many of you already are. Well, in 2018, it was when I was, we were moving up here, and I was uh, asked to preach the uh, Global Mission Service at General Conference, which was a, both a privilege and a major pressure. And uh, four days before I was to preach at General Conference, I was driving one of our trucks up here, and it broke down four times. Uh, it was supposed to have been a 12-hour trip or something, and I don't know. It was 26 hours, 28 hours, something. It, was, it, it got crazy. And every time it broke down, I would be telling myself, keep a good spirit. Keep a good spirit. You got four days before you're going to be standing in front of all those people preaching about missions, and you got too much to do to have to repent over a bad spirit. So just keep a good spirit. So yeah, I'm standing out on the road. I'm waiting for him to come, whatever. And my car gives us, you know, the truck gave us trouble. Kendra's car gave us trouble. Braden's car gave us trouble. Um, you know, I, every it was just trouble. And so I'm, I finally get to conference, and, I'm, and I, I preach, and, and God blesses in a major way. And at the end, I was preaching the message, and the Spirit of God, because I was going into an offering at that point, and the Spirit of God said, pledge $10,000. 
Now, folks, I can give you 10,000 reasons why that was a bad idea. We're moving up here. We've, you know, we've bought a house here. We, our house wouldn't sell. It was not the market now. Our house wouldn't sell. We had, we had two houses. It was, I mean, it was an absolute mess. And so I, I start that offering off with, with two, with $10,000, a $10,000 pledge. And no, I didn't have it. Not near about did I have it. And, uh, and so, it was a great offering that night. I don't remember what it was, and and we were all very thankful. And so there was a group of my friends. We we went to uh, to Chewy's to eat, and I love that's like my favorite Mexican restaurant. And we and we get there, and we're sitting there eating, and my phone goes off, and it's Braden. And I pick up the phone, and uh, Braden said, "Dad, I'm I'm broke down." Uh, it was in Louisville, and so he was coming back home. And, and he, he looked where he could take some back roads and it'd be quicker. And so he was back off in, in some place. I don't even know where he was. So, so I'm like, okay, so the party's over. And, and it's like, so we, we go back to the hotel and I'm like, I need a car. Kendra says, well, here, I'll, I'll bring you, I'll bring you my car. And so I go uh, change clothes and we're going to work all this stuff out. And Kendra gets out of her car. And I start to get in her car, and she goes, Dad, look. And I look down, there's a big bulge on the side of her tire. I'm like, okay, this is not good at all. And my brother's there, so I get my brother's car. So we work all this stuff out, and, and finally I get, uh, take, we take them, our car, Melanie and Braden, come on home. And, um, and 2.30 2 in the morning, I think I get back to the hotel. Then I'm up that next morning, spend the whole day working on her car, driving back over there, getting a wrecker, following it to a Ford dealership off in somewhere. And, and man, things are, things are really going nice. And I finally get back to conference that night in time for church, and I walk into the North American Mission Service, and they're taking an offering too. And so I'm thinking, $10,000 last night, I can't not give anything. Tonight, so I'll give a thousand. I'm just thinking in my mind, God's got to supply ten. If He can supply ten, He can supply eleven. No big deal. And so I, I take the envelope, I start writing it down, and, and I'm telling you, as I start to write, I feel a tap on my shoulder, and I turn and I look, and this stranger, some stranger, he said, "Sir," he said, "The Spirit of the Lord just told me that whatever you write on that envelope, He will pay." I said, thank you, because I'm like, confirmation, $1,000, here we go. And I started to write it down, and the Spirit said, as clear as could be, $5,000. So I'm like, okay, this is getting fun now. So I write $5,000. So now I leave conference owing $15,000. Kendra's car was three hundred, and I would find out the next day that Braden's would be fourteen hundred. So, so here we go. We're having a a real, real good time. Now, in my wisdom, I did not tell Melanie about the five thousand dollars. She is a great woman of God, but that was just not the time to be saying, "Hey, you heard in front of God and everybody last night." 
that I pledged 10000 but what you didn't know was is I pledged 5000 the next night, and so we're tanking bad. You know, there's an old principle that says, when you're in a hole, quit digging. Oh, no, I had a power shovel. We were, we were, we were digging like, like crazy. So I've got until, I've got until December the 31st to pay $15,000. So we pay 500 here, 1,000 here, whatever, as we can. And, and so we're into December. We're at the end of December, and I have paid $4,900 of 15000 and so I think, you know what, I need to call Brother Hal over, over Global Missions and Scotty Sistrunk over home, you know, North America and say, hey, guys, I'm good for it. It may take me, you know, God knows how long, but I will pay that off. And every time I started to do that, something stopped me. Well, then I started thinking, well, of course, it's your pride. You stood up there in Global Missions. You preached the message. You started it off with $10,000 pledge, and you can't even pay it. So it's your pride. So I was thinking, okay, God is my pride, pride, pride. So I worked through pride. And it was like, no, it's not my pride. It's not. Well, on December the 31st, driving back from Louisiana to Indiana, my phone rings, and it's a pastor friend of mine. He said, hey, he said, the Spirit of the Lord told us to pay tithes on our church yearly missions offering to Kingdom Quest Ministries because of the missions work that you do. I'm sending you a check for $12,000. So I'm like, man, oh, wow, it's like great. Melanie's happy. And I hang up. I said, I got a little more to tell you about the amount. And so that was when I shared with her that uh, that $5,000. And hey, she did not cuss me out. She did not. So, so time moves on and, you know, there's, there's stories like that that's, that's happening. And so we go to Europe and we're in Europe ministry and I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about God's economy, all this business. And I tell that story and then I tell and I say, but I couldn't tell, Melanie was on the front row. I said, but I, I couldn't tell Melanie because she doesn't operate on the level of faith that I operate on. And so everybody's laughing, carrying on. We're going back and forth at each other like we do when we teach like that. We're eating afterwards that night around a table of missionaries. And Melanie goes, well, now would be a good time to tell Terry something. And I said, what's that? She said, well, at church the other night, do y'all remember when David Smith was here and kicked into that offering? I think, what, what did you raise? 160 or something? Something like that. I don't know. I guess Rochelle could tell us. But anyway, that, that offering where he just kicked in, she said, um, David Smith went into an offering at New Life and for a building program. She said, and I pledged $10,000. And I said, $10,000. She said, yes. I said, wait, did you say faith promise? And she said, yes. I said, okay, cool. Ooh, thank God. I said, because if it was faith promise, that's up to God to pay. 
I said, I made a pledge that by the 31st, we would pay $15,000. So I'm not, if that's, if that's faith promise, that's up to God. Folks, when I tell you it wasn't two weeks, we were handed 10000 plus to, to, take, to take care of that, of that $10,000 offering. Now, I, I want to make, make a disclaimer right now. I am not advocating pledge wars between couples. What, what we're going into here is laid out very well that as families, we pray. We, okay. All right. So I'm not talking about pledge wars. That was kind of a one-off thing that, that happened with us. September the 9th, 2019, right here. We had not been here long. And um, Brother Morell Cornwell and Brother Ray Johnson came up here. They're, they are men. Brother Ray Johnson passed away not long ago. Brother Morell Cornwell. Uh, these are men who have built powerful churches teaching home Bible studies. I mean... Powerful churches, large churches, teaching home Bible studies. I was I was preaching for Brother Cornwell, and uh, and and it hit me. And I said, Brother Cornwell, if I could get Brother Johnson to come to Terre Haute, would you come to Terre Haute? And and we'd bring in a film crew, and we want because combined they had at that point they had ninety three years of experience of teaching home Bible studies. I mean, these men are just off the chart. And so he said, I said, we could, we, we could really help some people if we could get you men on video explaining your philosophy and your philosophy and all this business. And, and so he, he said, yeah, if, if Brother Johnson will come, I'll come. So I was talking to Brother Johnson, sure, I'll come. So they came, and we went to the student center, and, uh, and we spent a day filming these two men. Well, talking with them, Brother Cornwell had told some miracle stories, and and Brother Johnson had told some miracle stories, and, and Melanie was like, why don't we end the day getting 30 minutes of miracle stories from Brother uh, Johnson and 30 minutes from Brother Cornwell? So Brother Cornwell is, is, is finishing up the end of the day. Now, I'm $2,000 short on the project. I'm sitting there, they're in, everything's happening and I'm $2,000 short on this whole thing. Brother, Brother Cornwell is finishing up his, his stories. And I mean, the presence of God is in. It's just a miraculous story. Finances, angels, just, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, we'll get those available sometime when, when, when uh, you can see them. And so when someone donates to Kingdom Quest Ministries... It's set up to where it will notify Melanie on her phone. We are sitting there. He is finishing. I mean, we're bringing the cameras down. And at that moment, her phone dings. And she looks down. And someone who had never donated to our ministry donated $2,000. At, at, that, at that very, very moment. In November the 6th, uh, November the 6th, 2020, I pulled the biggest travel mistake I have ever pulled in my life. I landed in South Dakota to do a minister's retreat one year early. 
Now, we don't have time to go into the details of that. I may tell that story another time. Crazy, folks. Crazy. I do not even realize this until I, I am on the airplane trying to get a detail, and that's when we put it together. So my first thought was, you are an idiot. And as soon as I thought that, the Spirit of the Lord said, you are supposed to be here right now. So I'm like, okay. So they had a guest minister there and his wife doing doing the retreat. And um, and um, I knew them, and I said, "Well, hey, I'll I'll just come I'll just come to the seminar." And he said, "Well, can you stay and preach Sunday?" I said, "Yeah, I, you know, I'm yeah, I'm here for Sunday. I'm I am here." And so then the, the speakers that were there that night, they had a tragedy in their church. They had taught the first night, Friday night. They were supposed to have done all day Saturday. They had to get out of there. So I finished everything Saturday, ministered Sunday, and there was a connection that, that happened. Well, there was absolutely no way. It's a, it's a small district, and the expenses were, you know, over $1,000 plus, just plane, car, hotel, food. And I wouldn't let them pay me anything. I'm like, listen, this was not your fault. No, you've already taken care of that. There's no way. I mean, I, I'll, no, we're, we're just no, you're not paying me nothing. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't take a penny. Got back, and the Monday, someone donated the amount of money to our ministry that took care of, of all of that. When I'm, when I'm talking about God's economy, I'm serious about God's economy. I'm serious about God when we position ourselves. I'm serious about how God can take care of us. My, my brother, uh, he started talking to me in 2019, and I'm not, I'm not uh, advocating this as a doctrine, okay? He doesn't advocate this as a doctrine either to his church, but he just talked to me about it. He said, Terry, I think we need to take first fruits to a new level. And I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, I just think, like, he said, what I'm going to do, you can do what you want to do. He said, but what I'm going to do is my first check of January, 100% of it's going to the kingdom. Uh, his wife's a realtor. She, he said uh, her first commissions check of the year is going to the kingdom. We have an Airbnb. The first rental, if it's one day or 30 days, I don't care what it is, that is going to the kingdom. And, and so he, he set off this. He, 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 he was saying, he said, you know, I'm just going to do that so all my other checks will be blessed. And all my other rentals will be blessed. And all, my, all of her other commissions will be blessed. And so he, he started doing that. And, man, something, something clicked with me in my spirit. And so I shared it with our family. And, and so we've, we've been doing that also uh, in 1920, 21, and 22. I, the stories are absolutely astounding. At, at what happens when we, we honor God like this. I could go on, I don't have time, I have eight minutes. Uh, but, but when I, when I tell you that, that God takes care and provides, uh, He just does. In the last six years of my traveling, let, let me just say this. Okay. There, there is no set fee like, like people like me that travel and other people that travel. I mean, 
the 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 weekend pay. I mean, it can just go like this. Uh, you can't. You there's no rhyme nor reason to any of it. The most amount of money that I have ever been paid for one service came from about the smallest church that I've ever ministered, that, that I, I've ministered in. And here's what the pastor did at the end. The pastor just said, okay, said, uh, uh, we need to bless, we need to, to bless this ministry. He said, so let's bow our head right now and let's ask God what to give. And then you just give whatever God tells you to give. If I would take the average of what a weekend usually is, it was three and a half times what what that average is. Now, that was just that was just God showing me again, don't be looking at the size of churches. Don't be don't be looking at the way you slot things. You you just listen to what I'm telling you to do and you do it. One uh one last story. I've never mentioned these numbers, never mentioned them publicly, but now it's been seven or eight years, so so it's it's uh enough now that, that I can mention them. Here it is, last thing. We have our yearly global, we had our yearly global mission service like we have here. And so I had in my mind, I was going into that service. And I had in my mind, Kendra's laughing for a very good reason. I'm not going to tell the backside of it, Kendra, so don't get worried. Um, so I go into that service thinking, all right, we're going to give $2,500. We're going to give, you know, we'll give a $2,500 offering to the missions this year. So we're in there, and Charles Robinette is ministering. And I do not know if I have ever been in a local, not in a local church where the Spirit of sacrificial offering came in like it did that day. I never, I have never seen it like this. So, boy, the Spirit, I'm, I'm standing on the platform, and the Spirit of God starts, I'm like, man, okay, I, no, I can't do 2,500. Okay, 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 God, I'll do 5,000. I'll do 5,000. And so, it keeps going, and I'm like, oh, that wouldn't settle. I couldn't get peace. I was like, okay, God, I'll give 7,500. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll do 7,500. And it still wouldn't settle. And I'm like, okay, okay, God, you're probably saying 10,000. You're probably saying 10,000. And so it kept going. And then I thought God was saying 1,250. And by the time it was all said and done, God finally gave me peace at $15,000. Well, let's just say that was a sacrificial offering. I'll, I would just I would just leave it at that. That was a sacrificial offering. Does God provide? Yes. Now that next week, did I get one hundred fifty thousand dollars back in the mail? No. No, I didn't. But it was amazing what incrementally at different times when we needed different things. God God knew where He was leading us and the walk of faith that that he was leading us to, and that was just the cap saying, just trust me, and here we go. What, what I'm saying now about what we're going to do in four days is this. I love the approach. The approach is a percentage. 
It's a percentage. It's not even, it's not even, uh, okay, from this day forward, anything extra that you get, give. It's not, it's not that. It's, it's a percentage. I've never seen it done like this. And I absolutely love it because we are, we will pray for that, for that particular percentage. Here is what that I am praying that will happen and I am believing will happen. I am believing that as, as we do what we've been asked to do, whenever we have the six steps to determine God's will, that we begin by praying. We ask the Lord to help us give sacrificially, showing us how to give an amount that will stretch our faith as we do that. As we give it time, we have four days left. We don't rush into a decision. Uh, we prayerfully consider our commitment and that God will show us how to give. We talk about our commitment as a family, and we don't do what Melanie and I were doing on surprising each other with, uh, with pledges. We study biblical promises and instructions like, like is listed. We think in specific amounts. We get a sense of our giving potential by asking these questions. <coughs> Excuse me, is there anything we could sell to help us give toward the project? What ways could we decrease our expenses in order to make a larger commitment? And are there ways we could increase our income in order to make a larger commitment? And then we decide as a family, and after we discuss our family's commitment, we, we strengthen that commitment through a time of prayer. And then there's steps to determine our commitment level. And then there's 10 great, uh, great ideas about uh, helping us achieve our, our goal. Here is, here is what we've got to get that we pray and we listen to what God is saying. We pray and we listen to what God is saying. And then I'm going to add one more thing and start journaling. Start journaling. In 2018, I opened up a file on my phone, one of the yellow notes, um, Miracles and Blessings. And when people have given me a word from God, I put it in there and date it. When finances has come, I've, if it's something that I know was, you know, God directed this, God, I just, I write it down. I don't miss one. The list is very long right now going into 2022. Why? Because God's economy is way above man's economy. And this approach, and I'm speaking to young people too, because if you could get this early, oh my, my, if you could get it early. But God can take care of his business. And I appreciate how this is not some emotional push. It's not an emotional push. It's let's pray about it. We feel God has said, for the sake of the sanctuary, arise and build, whatever you want to say. But what we know is, is if we say, okay, God, what is my part? What are you saying? And we're in a position where the sanctuary can be built. We can be blessed along the way. And we can see great things that God wants to do. And every one of us can step into a greater dimension of faith.
Amen? Can we stand together right now? And can we just lift our hands and can we just ask God to just speak to us as a church body between now and Sunday or maybe even during the service on Sunday? But can we just position ourselves for that right now? Father, we're so thankful for the way you've blessed us. We're so thankful for how you're leading us. And I am just praying, God, against any apprehension. And I'm praying against any confusion. I'm just praying that you will speak, you will speak clearly, and you will give us peace. This is a stretch for every one of us. But God, we are approaching this through your will, through your power, and we're just asking you to speak clearly to us, and we know you will. And can the church say amen? Amen. We are in, we are being invited as a church to a greater dimension. And again, I repeat one thing. Start journaling. We're really going to have some good stories. God bless you and have a great week.